in song today. I actually requested Even So Come uh, because it kind of goes along with the sermon that we're going to be preaching today. So if you will turn to Matthew chapter 24, and we're going to continue on our study. This over here. We're going to continue in our study on uh, the uh, the, second, or the the rapture. I have to correct myself on that one. You'll understand why soon. Get out of there. Okay. There we go. All right. Make sure this working. Please work. Please work. There we go. It has to wake it up a little bit. Okay. So anyway, we're going to continue on in Matthew chapter twenty-four. So uh, turn to that at this time. Now last week, we spent some time in talking about the birth pains that um, the birth pains that are preceding that of uh, the tribulation period. The tribulation period is basically when um, uh, right at the time of Jesus' return. So, um, so we talked about some of the birth pains and what uh, some of the things that are involved with that. Now, I never had a baby, <coughs> never plan on having a baby, just I, well, I'm not going to go down that road, okay, but uh, never had one. But I do know that when, uh, when the birthing process started, uh, the contractions started, and uh, bricks and hacks, and all, all, all the uh, contractions started, and then eventually became more and more intense, more and more intense, until eventually that, that baby was born. And I, every once in a while, I'm, I'm on YouTube, and I like to watch the videos of, of babies uh, right when they're born, and it's just, to me, it's, it's just a precious event. But here you have this woman, and she's uh, in tremendous amount of pain, exertion, and everything else that she's going through. And then all of a sudden, that baby is born. Boom! And it's like, uh, she's not screaming anymore. She's not in pain anymore because she has that precious baby that they have laid on her. And, uh, and they are uh, celebrating the birth of, of, of the child. And that's kind of what a way I kind of view it with, with Jesus in the rapture. You're going to have all these birthing pains that are going to start. And it's going to become more and more intense. And then, and depending on your opinion, pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation, but those birthing pains are going to get very intense, and then eventually Jesus is going to come for the rapture, and uh, then the culmination of the ages is, is going, to, going to start. So, let's do something here real quick, and I want to do a little bit of a review from last week, and I want to talk about that. And it's actually in your notes. So, the first thing to uh, get in mind is this, is that the rapture will happen because Jesus said it will happen. And Jesus doesn't lie. So eventually the rapture is going to happen. Now, when it happens, we don't know. But we know it will happen because Jesus says it will happen. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 1, when Jesus ascended into heaven, the, uh, the angel said he will return the same way that you saw him leave. Okay, number two is Jesus will return, and he will return from heaven. Um, he's, he's not going to be born in the stable. He, he's going to come from heaven. People will see him. Uh, it'll be a triumphant return that'll happen. Number three is the second coming and the rapture are two separate events. 
Now, this is why I have to correct myself, because we are so used to saying the second coming of Jesus, and we're, we're referring to the rapture. The, the second coming of Jesus is actually the millennial reign that will happen, where there will be a thousand years when Jesus' kingdom will be established on this earth, and the rapture is when Jesus comes and takes his church out of the world. So there are two separate events. Uh, many times when we're talking about the second coming, we're referring to the rapture, but it's not the rapture, it's the second coming of the millennial reign. We'll talk about that in another sermon. Number four is, we do not know the time when Jesus is returning for the rapture. If you notice, I'm beating that in your head. We do not know the time. And yet so many times, people are predicting times, they're predicting dates, and everything else, and it just makes the church look bad. And I'm talking about the universal church, not just Mount Tabor, but it would be universal church. No one knows the day nor the hour. Now you do have the birthing pains, you have some of the signs, as in the olive, the olive branch uh, coming about, or the olive tree that's starting to bloom. So there are some signs that kind of point to it, but we do not know the day. So when somebody says, Jesus is going to come back June 28th, 2022 or 2023, you don't listen to them. You don't listen to them because no one knows the date or the hour. What don't we understand about that? Number five, the return will be visible and audible. The whole world will see it. Okay? Uh, it will be visible. It will be audible. Uh, matter of fact, uh, it says the trumpet shall sound. This is the trumpet. This is the type of trumpet we're talking about. It's called a shofar. It is a ram's horn that has been hollowed out. That's the trumpet. Whenever you see the words uh, trumpet in scriptures, most of the time it's referring to this. This is what they use. Not, not the brass ones, not the straight brass trumpets that you see many times. But it's usually a ram's horn that has been hollowed out. This is the instrument that they use. And I want to challenge you. Go online, on YouTube, listen to the shofar. And there are those who, who play it very well. You listen to this, and if you don't get goose pimples all over your body uh, when that's played, then you're dead. Because I'll tell you, I listen to this, and it's just like, whoa! Because these are the sounds that were at the time of Jesus. This will be the sound that will be produced when Jesus returns, and, but it was also the sound of the time of Jesus. Matter of fact, when Jesus hung on the cross, it says that he died on the third hour. And so when on the third, what was happening at the third hour? The sacrificial lamb was being, um, was being uh, sacrificed at that time when he was on the, altar, on the cross. And so when, I just imagine this. When Jesus is on the cross and he bows his head and he dies, you hear this sound in the background because this announced the sacrificial lamb was slain at that point. I actually did this in my last church on, a, on a, I think it was a Good Friday service or, or Easter service, but I, I said that and at this point, Jesus bowed his head and he died. And I had a Messianic Jew at the church, and he blew his shofar. And you could heard a pin drop. So anyway, the whole 
world will hear the trumpet blow. And they will see Jesus come. Uh, there, there's been groups that are predicted when Jesus is coming back and Jesus didn't come back at that time. And you know what they're saying? They said, oh, he did come back, but he came back spiritually. No, he did not come back spiritually. He didn't even come back because the Bible says that when he returns, everyone's going to see him. All right, next. His return will be different than his first time he came. First time he came, he was born of a woman, was in a manger. This time he's going to come back King of kings and Lord of lords, and he's going to be triumphant. So those are the, the six uh, issues to, uh, to be reviewed from last week. Now, let's, let's now go to Matthew 24. I talked about the birthing pains. Now let's talk about the tribulation, some of the things that are going to happen in the tribulation. Now, as I said last year, last week, there are tribulations but we're, that have happened in the world but not the tribulation. There have been antichrists that have come into the world, but not the antichrist. I think every one of them shows a little bit about what will happen. Uh, kind of an illustration. For example, in 70 AD, Titus, the Roman general, came down and had surrounded Jerusalem. He was trying to uh, get rid of the terrorists. He was trying to stop all the Jewish insurrections that were happening. So he came and he actually uh, came around and he, he surrounded Jerusalem. About 60 to 80,000 people were in Jerusalem at that time. He surrounded it. And so at that time they, they, they sieged Jerusalem. That meant all they could eat was that which was already in Jerusalem. Got that? What happens when 80, 60 to 80,000 people eat up all of the food that's left in Jerusalem? They start to starve. And you have this, this tribulation that they are going through. In fact, it is stated that um, they became so hungry, they became like mad dogs. Lawless gangs went through the streets looking for food. They were like drunkards. They ate the leather off their shoes. They were so hungry. I'm sure if you were a rat, you didn't want to be in Jerusalem at that time because they probably were eating you. They were so hungry. There was a story about a woman who killed her own son and ate her son because she was so hungry. We don't understand what that means, to be that hungry. And that was a tribulation that they were going through. But not the tribulation. Let's look, let's look at scripture. Come on. Verse 15. So when we see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation. We talked about that last week. I said there's two main events that have to happen that have not happened yet. Number one is the holy place needs to be rebuilt. And the secondly is the abomination of desolation needs to come into power. Who that is, we don't know for sure. Some people think it's the beast. Some people think it's a, a third person. Some people think that it's the Antichrist. But we do know that this person is going to come and he's going to set himself up in the holy place. Then, I always like the word then. Because that means there's something that's going to change. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the housetops go down and take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back and get their cloak. In other words, get out now. 
When you see this happen, get out now. <coughs> now, interesting thing, I, I didn't know this, so I, I learned something this week. In 70 AD, when, when Titus, about 68 AD, when Titus came and surrounded Jerusalem and they started the siege, what did the Christians do? What did the Christians do? They, went, they fled to the mountains. Why did they flee to the mountains? Because Jesus said to. Got that? This is important. He went to the mountains. They went to the mountains because Jesus told them to. And they remembered the warning. And they saw that. And they went into the mountains. Okay. Um, Carson made this comment. He says, there is reasonable tradition that Christians abandoned the cities, perhaps about 68 AD, about halfway through the siege. Clark said, Estibus and Ephesius says that the, in this juncture, after Cetius Gallius had raised the siege and Vanspan was approaching with his army, all who believed in Christ left Jerusalem and fled to Pelia and other places beyond the Jordan River, so they all were miraculously escaped the general shipwreck of their country. Not one of them per per perished. Why? Because they did what Jesus said. Many times we don't understand why Jesus tells us to do it, but my friends, just do it. I'm sure Noah, when he was building the ark, didn't understand what a flood was, but he did it anyway. I'm sure that Joshua, when he went around the walls of Jericho seven times, didn't understand the walls were going to fall down the way they did, but he did it anyway. Christians, obey. Just obey. We may not know why, but the key is to obey. And many times you're going to avoid a lot of the pitfalls that are actually there. So they obeyed and they went into the mountains. And they were saved because they obeyed Jesus. How dreadful it will be for those in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath. For when there for then there will be great distress, unequal from the beginning of the world till now. So what they're saying is, Jesus is saying is, you think the, the siege of Jerusalem was bad? You think that the Holocaust is bad? You think all this is bad? You just wait. You ain't seen nothing yet. I learned a lot in the last three years. Three years ago, as you know, we shut down uh, the nation or tried to shut down the nation for a virus called Corona. I've learned a lot. I've learned about supply chain issues. I learned about how closely they, they, they got these supply chains worked out to where the food comes in and it, it isn't there long until it is sold. And when you disrupt that supply chain, it isn't going to take much to where you don't have the supply like you used to. 
And we're seeing that. For example, I never heard of a chip before. I didn't know how important that chip was. Now, why in the world, and I'm getting political here, would we place all of our chips in a country that we're so reliant upon? It makes no sense to me. But is anybody waiting for a vehicle now that you can't get? Because that chip hasn't been shipped yet? See how dependent we are? Here's something even more interesting. In 1930, when we had the, uh, the Great Depression, about 50% of our population was actually in agriculture or farmers. Right? And that's how I believe that we were able to endure that depression so much is because most of our people, a lot of our people, were in agriculture. They knew how to grow food. <clears throat> and even though they may not have had a lot of money, they still grew their own food. Right now, only 1.4% of the American population work on a farm. You see how dependent we are on Walmart, on Chiefs, on IGAs? We have kids right now that believe that milk is produced in a carton. They don't know that it comes from cows. And I'm going to tell you, all you have to do is disrupt that food chain and you have 300 and... 327 million people in the United States that do not know how to grow food. And can you imagine if you were president of the United States dealing with 327 million people who are hungry and starving? And most of our population has now gone into the cities. You see what I'm getting at? All it takes is for someone to say, if you don't wear or have this mark, you don't eat. And we saw a little bit of it. I really believe that God allowed the coronavirus to give, to give us a little taste. Now, masks were not the mark of the beast. Do you hear that? And I am not bashing masks in any way. No way am I doing that. But I found it very interesting. You could not go to Walmart. You could not go to a, re <coughs> a restaurant unless you had a mask on. And if you didn't have that mask on, you were asked to leave. And it's the government. The government did not enforce that. What did the government do? They used proxies. Because if you were in business, you had to enforce what they told you to. And if you didn't do that, they were going to shut you down. I just, I, to me, it was the most fascinating thing to see. And so now, if you have, um, if you have this government or you have this leader that comes in and says, "By the way, you have to have a mark on your right hand or on your forehead, and if you don't have it, you do not eat. You will not eat." The majority of Americans don't know how to grow food. 
Can you imagine if the supply chain got disrupted to the point that all Americans were starving? You turkey farmers will have to stay up all night to protect your flock. Because they will come in and get it. How do I know? Look at the natural disasters and what happens to the Walmarts during the natural disasters. They go in and they just take the stuff. If you have an orchard, I can see you people, well, I'm right, I'm right to live. I <clears throat> It'll destroy the farming community. Unequal. And never again. That has ever happened. Come on. Come on. Well, she doesn't want to work again today. Well, you're having a problem with the internet. Turn this, this big back on. So much for that. Okay. Let me go to verse 22. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. Notice it says, for the sake of the elect. Verse 23. <clears throat> In that time, if anyone says to you, look, there's a Messiah. Or there he is, do not believe him. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, <clears throat> if possible, even the elect. So there will be false messiahs that will come, and they'll even do miracles. They'll even do miracles. And, and, and what, what Jesus is saying is don't believe them. Why? Because most likely, you know, they're not following scripture. They are not lining up to what God's word says. And that is so important, people. I don't care if there are miracles. I don't care if there's wonderful signs. Because it, the key is, do they line up with Scripture? And these false messiahs don't. And he says, don't listen to them. If anyone tells you there he is, go out in the wilderness, do not go. Or, he, or here he is in the inner room, do not believe him. For as lightning comes from the east, is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Whoever, wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. Now here, here's another sign. Immediately after those days of distress, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. So there will be some type of cosmic event that will happen. What it is, I don't know. But we will know it if we see it. Okay? Some people say, oh, there will be a nuclear war, there will be a volcano. I don't know. We just know that the heavenly lights will be dimmed, and it says that uh, it will be shaken. Verse 31. And he will send his angels <coughs> with a loud trumpet call with this. And he will gather his elect from the four winds and no end, and from one end of heaven to the other. Why, thank you, wife. So you will hear that trumpet call. 
the whole earth, and they will see his coming. Verse 30. Now, here's why I am a post-tribulation rapture. Okay? I've told you that. I'm a post-tribulation. I'm not arguing with the pre-tribs or the mid-tribs or the pan-tribbers. I'm more of a pan-trib. It'll all pan out in the end. But this is why I hold to this. Verse 30. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and all the peoples on the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and glory. So all this stuff happens then. He says then. Okay? Now, look at this verse 30. <clears throat> then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and all the people of the earth will mourn. All the people of the earth. Why will they mourn? Because they've been the God of their own lives they're, throughout their existence. And now the reality of who Jesus is now appears. Got that? You know, it's just like, I'm going to go down 127, 80 miles an hour every day. Because no one's going to tell me what to do. I'm going to be this way. And then finally, you mourn when you see the state trooper behind you. Right? Here's the thing about state troopers. If they pull you over, you're getting a ticket. You know? Sheriff's Department might give you a ticket. Uh, city police might give you a ticket. But if it's, if it's, uh, if it's a uh, state trooper, you're going to get one. Okay? And so you're in mourning at that point. Same thing. <clears throat> Our society, our world, loves to live life our way. We don't want to be told what to do. Therefore, don't tell me what to do. And then all of a sudden, the state troopers behind us, and whoa, and we're mourning. <clears throat> and that's what I believe is going to happen. The whole world wants to live their way, and then all of a sudden, Jesus appears, and guess what's going to happen? They're going to be mourning. But it's too late now. They're going to be mourning. As many of you know, I, I wrote a book. Um, I've sold three copies in a month. And uh, so that means I made $1.22. It was, like I said, it was just a challenge my daughter gave me. I want to write another book now. And in this book, it is the same family, but it's when they go to heaven. And what I want it to be is, what is heaven like from that, you know, we always talk about this is what to expect when you're in heaven. But from their viewpoint, looking back and looking down. Now that's going to be a hard book. And there's going to be one chapter. I'm trying to figure out how to write this. We do not know <clears throat> if you see people who are not in heaven or not. The Bible's not clear on we do know that according to one of the parables in, in the book of John, called the rich man and Lazarus, that those in Gehenna, Hades, can know what's going on in heaven, but they can't reach it. Okay? We, we know that. But as far as anyone in heaven being able to see what's going on in hell, we don't know. Now, um, so, but I want to get this across somehow. How much begging do you think there's going to be in hell? Think about this. 
Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I accept you as Savior. Lord, I want to be a Christian. Lord, help me. And there'll be, you know, these people says, I will never bow to Jesus. They'll be bowing to Jesus. They'll be begging. And, and that, that's why I say, and there'll be a mourning, because if they realize the truth of it, they realize, a man with Murray O'Hare begging, uh, um, Putin begging, uh, Kim Jong-un.